Hope you're having a great holiday week. I am off on adventures, so this is a best of edition of the Clark Howard podcast. I hope you enjoy it and that you have an enjoyable holiday week. It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Before I get started, I want to make sure you know that we have free, emphasis on free, daily newsletters from both Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com that are filled with money-saving advice that you can trust and deals that are awesome. At least I think so. It's easy to sign up. If you decide that you don't like our newsletters, we make it just as easy to dump us and unsubscribe from the newsletters. Just go to clark.com slash newsletter and you can sign up for whichever ones you want. Now, we've been talking a lot recently, a lot of complaints from consumers about credit card surcharges at places you shop. Well, now there's an ongoing war with Visa and its merchants over the surcharges. And also in this episode, I am the man from Roth. I'm talking about Roth IRAs, Roth 401ks, Roth, 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 Roth all the time. It's something that's now widely available to us, Roth 401ks. People just aren't really into them. And I'm going to talk about why that's probably not a good decision on your part to not grab that Roth 401k. Hear me out on that later. Okay, so I am actually a supporter of businesses charging a surcharge to you when you use a credit card if they wish. And more and more you're seeing that. You know where that started forever ago? Gas stations. In a lot of places around the country, you'll see a flash with the price, and you'll see a flash with another price, cash credit, cash credit. Because credit cards are a massive expense for businesses. If you own a business, you're nodding your head right now. So it has become, because we have the highest, by far the highest merchant fees in the world in the United States because of the Visa MasterCard cartel, Visa is striking back against all these merchants that are charging extra fees. And Visa is sending out undercover agents to spy on businesses. According to Bloomberg, they are playing rough, rough, rough. They are imposing limits on how much you as a business can charge as a surcharge. And businesses are just really up in arms about this. So this is such a mixed bag because if our massive merchant fees went away and businesses paid fees similar to businesses elsewhere in the world, All these reward cards that a lot of us, including me, love to use would cease to exist because all those rewards that I get, and if you use them, you get 
are all on the backs of merchants paying these humongous fees to Visa, MasterCard, and American Express. So just know that you and I are just in the middle of something that we don't control. The merchant involved is just trying to make a go of it in his or her business. And you then have a choice. Do you want to pay? Uh, I, I know it's weird, but there's this thing that people used to carry called uh, cash. Cash? Cash. <laughs> cash. That's what it was called. Cash. How? When's the last time you pulled cash out of your purse, Krista? Actually, I just paid someone cash because her Venmo account got hacked. And that's the only reason you paid cash. Yes. We did have someone write in asking, how can it be legal for a business not to accept cash? There are some jurisdictions in the country, some local governments, that have outlawed a business not accepting cash. Okay. But that's the other side of this. Because of crime, businesses in areas that have crime problems or they're worried about internal theft, you know, sticky fingers in the drawer. They are no longer taking cash. And, and you go to a number of businesses now and they say, we do not accept cash or we are electronic payment only, or they'll mm-hmm. say something like that. And so there's, there's a lot involved in this. You know, the Supreme Court legalized the surcharges six years ago. Uh, actually, what they did was invalidated the credit card company saying you couldn't do it. And Visa just hates this. And they're going to do everything they can to make life miserable for merchants. So just know that you could get a ugly lawyer letter at your business, but you have rights and you may have to change a little how you do the surcharge, but you can. So what do I do? If I go to a restaurant, I get 3% cash back on a card I have. Other places I get 2%. I look at what the surcharge is and then I make that call. There's a place I pay a 1% surcharge using a credit card, which was uh, not very much when I get 2% cash back. So I keep using the card there. So I make that judgment as I go places. Just know the Visa MasterCard cartel want to pick your pocket as a business owner and just know that Visa at least is playing really hard and tough with the businesses. It does stink, though, that it reduces our rewards. Exactly. But who's paying for those rewards? Right. Okay, we'll go to questions now. Randy in Florida says, Clark, I see you have the Fidelity Visa card as one of the top picks on your website. I just canceled mine, and here's why. I noticed they are offering 2% cash back to new customers, but they were only paying me 1.5%. I called to find out why. Basically, they said they inherited my account from another credit card company, and that was the rate at the time. Fine. Can you fix it? No, you have to reapply. This is not an acceptable answer to a customer who has had the same card for 10 plus years. So I voted with my feet. Bottom line, existing Fidelity Visa customers need to scrutinize their statement and see how much cash back they're getting. Okay, I am shocked, Randy. No one else has ever expressed that they've had this problem. That sounds like real customer no service from Fidelity. And I wonder if you just got somebody who 
was uh, not on their game, or maybe they are playing dirty pool like that. But Fidelity offers a great credit card with 2% cash back that can go into a 529 account, a Roth IRA, or go into a regular investment account. And it's a real deal with actual real money coming into your life, that 2%. So that's an odd one that I've not heard from anybody. Jen in Maryland says, I have an EV charging etiquette question. My workplace is located in a large office complex. It has four free chargers with no marked time limit, first come, first serve. However, there are always these four Teslas plugged in all day and not charging. I don't want to just unplug and run the risk of irritating these people. Is there anything I can do? P.S. I don't know these people as they may be working in a different office in the same complex. Thanks very much for your help from Jen, who would really like to get enough charge to make it home. So, Jen, you don't say you've gone to talk to management at the complex. It's a multi-tenant complex, and I would bet management isn't even aware of the problem. All they have to do, and I see this all the time at office buildings, is there will be a usually friendly sign, sometimes not as friendly, saying time limit charging limited to X number of hours, please move your car at this time. And that is a common courtesy with electric vehicle charging. Now, most office buildings, she said it's free there, right? Mm -hmm. Most office buildings you pay, and depending on what vendor they use, you may be paying a lot of money for charging because it's a convenience. You could be paying more than you're paying at your own home or wherever else you'd go. So if it's the same four Teslas all the time, they're just freeloading because it's free there and they're leaving the vehicle after it's charged. So it really is something that is up to the management of that complex to do something about. Plain Jane in Georgia says, Clark, I heard you recommend Ally Bank a few years ago and as a result, I opened a savings account there and I like interacting with them. Now that I'm considering buying a new home and want to get pre-qualified so I can jump on something, what is your opinion on using them for that? My credit score is over 800 if that makes a difference as to who I should choose. So plain Jane, uh, that's quite, quite a deal that you're above 800. That's rarefied air, what they call in the credit world, it means you're golden. So if you're buying a home, I don't want you doing a mortgage with anybody who's remote like that, like Ally. Once you deal with someone who, if you're refining, of course, it's fine to do with Ally or anybody like that. When you're buying a home, there's always complications, always. And that's why I want you with a mortgage broker who is there to be able to shop with multiple lenders, is able to massage problems that may occur through the process. I want you with a person, not an 800 number. Coming up ahead, we're going to talk about the Roth 401ks and why they're so great and why it's so frustrating to me. Nobody wants to do them. I love the Roth. Now, I never knew Senator William Roth of Delaware, but I love what he did where he came up with this idea of a retirement account that wouldn't tilt everything towards wealthier individuals. Because the way retirement accounts had worked prior to Senator Roth coming up with the idea of the Roth is that 
you got an upfront deduction that was much more valuable to wealthier individuals, people who made much bigger paychecks, and wasn't a much benefit to people lower down the pay scale. And then everything they had in their traditional 401k or traditional IRA would be taxed at retirement. Well, most people would benefit actually from doing the Roth and now somewhere around 80% of employers, more or less, offer in their 401k the choice of a traditional or the Roth version of a 401k. According to Vanguard data, only somewhere around 19% of people who have access to a Roth 401k do it. Over 80% of people with access to a Roth 401k are still doing a traditional. Now, let me tell you something. Over 80% of people at a workplace are not making big money and automatically would be in a better position doing the Roth 401k, giving up that current deduction, tax deduction, and having an account that grows tax-free and you spend it tax-free. The new news, though, came from a Wall Street Journal article, and it made perfect sense that even for high-income earners, it is to your advantage to do a Roth 401k, give up that big tax deduction, and have the Roth 401k grow through the decades. And then in retirement, you wouldn't have the big, what's known as RMD problem, required minimum distributions, that may lead to big taxes for you on Medicare and end up taking away pretty much the party from you from your 401k money in retirement. So that was a new wrinkle. But the reality is there's a real lack of understanding, which we're busy and there's all noise when you talk about financial stuff. But people are ending up hurting themselves down the road by not doing the Roth IRA instead of a traditional IRA and not doing a Roth 401k instead of a traditional. It's your money and I want it to actually be your money. If you have money in a Roth IRA, a Roth 401k, and it's growing, you see your actual purchasing power in retirement. On the other hand, If you have a traditional IRA or a traditional 401k, it's an illusion. You see a balance, but it's not your real spending power later on because you have taxes that can be so significant in retirement and punitive costs for people who've got big balances, again, from the Medicare angle. And that's why I am the man from Roth. Because even though it's not really marketed well, the Roth, both versions, 401k, IRA, superior ways for you to save for your future. Trust me on this. Krista? So related to this, Krishna in North Carolina wrote in and said, I'm 49 years old and opened a 401k with my company three years ago. I initially opted for pre-tax money to be taken out of my account. I get a company match up to 5%, but maximize my contributions. After reading on Clark.com and other websites, I changed my contributions for a couple of years to half each of pre-tax and 401k Roth. 
I cannot contribute to a separate Roth due to income limitations. It's a good problem to have. It is. This year, I have made it fully Roth 401k and plan to keep it that way. My question is, when I withdraw, how will taxes be calculated? The 401k from now on is post-tax money, but I also have some pre-tax money for two years. Am I in trouble in the future? Is there any way I can correct this? So I've had a 401k forever, and there used to not be the Roth version the 401k and my statement show me the segregated amounts and i'd be surprised if your employer's 401k administrator doesn't segregate the money that way where you can see what is roth 401k money and what is traditional Uh, that would be very unusual if your statements don't have a way for you to see what the breakdown is of each I assume yours has that, or do you do? I have just done the traditional 401k. It just became available not that long ago, so uh, okay. I am planning on changing it. Okay. Julie in Utah says, Goldman Sachs has opened an online bank, which is paying very high interest. Its name is Marcus. It's FDIC insured. This is not listed on your online banks, and I wondered if you had an opinion on it. Yeah, Marcus is absolutely fine, and it actually is on our list Um, the current list of the best high-yield savings accounts. Uh, Marcus is the long-troubled operation of Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs has lost a lot of its partners' money on trying to offer consumer banking kind of things, and the savings account seemed to be the last surviving part that will remain of Marcus until they sell it off to somebody. But The accounts are, just as you said, FDIC insured. They're absolutely fine. And rates have been volatile lately. It's always a good idea if you open an online savings account a while back to look to see if the rates are still competitive wherever you have your online bank account versus what are now the best rates out in the marketplace. And with the Federal Reserve's latest increase in interest rates, there are lots of ways for you to earn good money on your money. My favorite remains through Vanguard, Schwab, and Fidelity, placing either in broker place CDs, if you have money you can tie up longer term, or buying U.S. treasuries through the treasury money funds of any of the three big discounters. Justina in Wisconsin says, thank you for all you do, Clark. My gym closed at the end of June without warning. I found out by a post on Facebook. This is the same gym chain we heard about before. Experience? Experience Fitness with an X, not EX. I immediately contacted their finance company to cancel my membership so no more money would be taken out. They emailed me back stating they no longer do business with the gym and I would need to cancel with them. I tried calling the local closed branch, corporate, etc., without ever reaching an actual person. I gave up and just decided there was no way they would take it out if, if they closed. Ah, so there were lots of TV stories about this. People with the same thing as you had, where they were trying to reach people with experience, and it's like they went poof, they vanished in the night. Fast forward to mid-July, I have an ACH withdrawal from Planet Fitness for almost $57, the cost of my experience membership. 
I called Planet Fitness and was notified that they bought all the memberships from Experience. What? How? Their top tier membership is $25 and they charged me almost 60. I let Planet know that I would be disputing with my credit card. They said that's fine. If I win, they will take me to collections for the amount. I physically had to go to my local Planet Fitness to cancel my membership. Okay, so a couple of confusing things, Justina. You said credit card. It must have been a debit card you were using with experience because Planet Fitness doesn't take credit cards. They only take ACH as you experienced. So they would have only had your ACH information through your bank, through your debit card. I think there's more going on here. And you generally do not have chargeback rights with a debit card. So I don't know what your own bank will do if you want to dispute the $60, $57. No one was able to tell you how they came up with $57? Well, that was, I guess, because they bought the memberships and that was her probably contract price. That's what she was paying. But but as she said, Planet Fitness's maximum is 25 plus junk fees. So this is totally puzzling. You've now canceled with Planet Fitness. Planet Fitness, I, you know, we had the questions about them during COVID, people that were afraid to go in a gym and wanted to cancel, and Planet Fitness would only let you cancel if you went in person. It's a no-frills place. It's the way they do business. It would depend on your original contract with experience if you have to pay this money. So I don't know if you still have an an old email or anything like that, your original contract with experience. But normally a gym contract allows for what they call a change of control, meaning that the gym can be sold or the accounts can be sold and your obligation continues with the new gym that existed with the old one. I don't know if they took over the location you had or if they just transferred you to the closest planet fitness it's not a good look to charge people when they don't even know it's going on and i hope it's not a bitter experience that you just have basically lost this 57 dollars. and planet fitness would have been smart to have been in some way accommodating to you to try to get you to remain as a member of them because I don't know if you know this about Planet Fitness. They have no ongoing obligation. They live on people who pay the membership anyway who never go. And that's how normal gyms operate with the contract you're a prisoner to. Planet Fitness, you're not a prisoner. You can quit pretty much at any time with them. But they have the overwhelming percent of people that are Planet Fitness members don't ever go. Mm. So they're subsidizing with those very low membership fees they have. They're subsidizing the people who do go. So I'd love to hear back from you, Justina, how this all ultimately plays out. But there's been a lot of fuss about how messy the extinction of experience has been. Reason 1,498 why you never want to sign a contract at a gym. That is so well put. Yeah, gym contracts is I've talked I talk about it every January when all those ads appear on the football games and drive me crazy 
you know, when they have the impossible bodies smiling while they're working out and then they like, oh, well, that could be me. And you go sign up for some long-term gym contract. Uh Uh-uh. That doesn't make you work out. It just makes you spend money. Uh, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Know that we are there for you at Clark.com. Whenever you have a question about your wallet, check out what we've got, whether we've done some research on the area you're trying to figure out. And know that we offer for free, as we've done for almost 31 years now, one-on-one free advice at the Team Clark Consumer Action Center, available to you 30 hours each week. If you go to clark.com slash CAC, you'll see the phone number to call, the hours, and all the particulars of being able to get free one-on-one advice, guidance, and information. Have a great day.